0: listening to comes a time with otiel burbridge and mike fenoya if you're digging the podcast do these guys a favor and review and subscribe it means a lot be sure to follow the pod on social media youtube and if you're joining for bonus episodes and exclusive content go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus and now here's mike and Oteil.
1: welcome back everybody to another episode of comes the time that is mike and that
2: is otiel what's up buddy
1: man i'm feeling good today we got a good one for you guys this one is just all about the magic for me uh you guys know that i got really heavy into professional wrestling and right when i just went down the iron chic rabbit hole uh Soon after that, we were going, we got the good fortune. We had the good fortune to be able to go to uh, WWE SmackDown in Miami. And on the same row as me is this guy wearing an Iron Sheik t-shirt. And I saw, he saw my Sheik t-shirt and we were like, yeah, the Sheik, blah, blah, blah. And then turns out he's the Iron Sheik's manager. I was like, no way, because Iron Sheik had liked a couple of my posts, the my wrestling posts that we had done, like the Halloween Havoc one. Yeah. And so I'm just just losing it. And he's losing it because he's a huge deadhead. Had <laughs> seen Dead and <laughs> Company like a bunch of times. And we're both just like, is is this too much? And I said something about it being magic. He's like, Bro, I believe in the magic. My whole life is magic. And it truly is. He has the most incredible story his dad and the iron sheik were friends in iran and he's uh iranian they're iranian jews not the iron sheik but page Macon's family and so i was like wow that's just an interesting story in and of itself and they had to leave the country because of regime changes came here and uh so he ended up being the iron sheik's manager uh and it, also has an entertainment company called Megan Boys, which is really insane. They sent, who was based in Miami, and they sent some of the, some dancers and a DJ to my son's party and completely lit it on fire. Like hmm. this dude was dancing. It's like a stunt dancer. He was bouncing on his head and then he lifted his hands up. So he's doing moves, balancing just on his head, no hands. Like crazy Amazing. stuff. I think his name was Showtime or something. But like it was the best party my kids ever had. So he's just like brought so much joy into my life and uh you know, he's it's a great story and a great chat, so uh you guys will really enjoy it. And thanks uh thanks for all the uh education on wrestling, Mike.
2: No sweat, buddy. I feel uh <laughs> I have to say you're welcome slash I'm sorry. Because uh <laughs> I feel like I gave you your first pack of cigarettes. But uh it's so I'm so happy to see you uh loving wrestling like I did when I was a child. So uh it's beautiful. <laughs> it's adorable.
1: Did you tell anybody? You could apologize that? to my wife. She's yeah. the one
2: that's having a hard time. Where the hell was I? Columbus, Ohio O'Teal? You were at you oh, were on decal tour. Ohio. You're on he's Othiel's on Dead Tour. I'm at Columbus, Ohio doing stand-up with the impractical jokers. And I'm walking around during the day. We always like to hit little shops and stuff. I can't remember the name of the shop, but I FaceTime you. And you're in the gym, I think, right? And uh I lost you. Yeah. We're in the gym, and uh <laughs> I go, I go, dude, you gotta see this. And this toy store had literally and, I mean, you name it. God, I got to remember the name. Maybe we'll put it in the notes. I have to look it up. Columbus, Ohio, Toy Store. And, uh, man, there it is. They had bins and woes. And, dude, I put you on FaceTime, and the whole store is like, you go, what? No shit. Dude, show me around. Do they have Macho Man?
1: And I got you those. Yeah. Do they have I Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes. For those that can't see, I'm holding up. My action figures a cactus jack, Nick Foley. That's Fuller, right. The Dusty Rhodes. And then Mike. Oh my God. Was the <laughs> magic not in full effect? He goes, Oh, they have a macho man. Oh, look, it's a talking macho man. So we replaced the battery. <laughs> it's so awesome. I think has. I don't know, where is it? Oh man. I'm so, so glad good. that works,
2: so... dude. I am so glad that works. Yeah. And I I have to tell uh... you, dude. You gave everybody in that store a good laugh too. They were so happy for you <laughs> by, via Facetime. Oh my god, it was great. The owners of the store were well, like, yeah, "This for- is why we have this store." This, you know, like literally, like <laughs> is- make people happy. This
1: is why we do it. This yeah. is why we do it. So for all but- you, all you deadhead slash wrestling head fans, oh, this is a one for you.
2: Hell yeah, hell yeah! And thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you, Paige for being so awesome and uh joining us and uh folks if you're having a good time uh subscribe share review uh join us on patreon forward slash comes the time pod for a bonus episode each week and uh be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel because we got a bunch of great stuff coming so uh thank you page thank you everybody and we'll see you soon later
1: Page, Megan, what's up, brother? So good to see you. This is a honor
4: and a, a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. How are you guys?
2: Wow, I mean, easily the most handsome man ever to grace our podcast. Look at that. <laughs> oh my God, that beard.
4: You know, I, so I, used, distinguished. To, I used to color, I used to color. I, I was so nervous about seeing gray and now I'm just letting it all hang out. So it's kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's a nice dude, beard. Yeah, uh, dude, after Jeff Comenti. I'm like, oh, I wish my hair would just go silver all the way because, <laughs> you know, that would be so cool. So, I, it, It's a gift to be able to do that.
4: Well, it takes a minute when you see like yourself, like when you were all black and then when you see yourself gray, you're like, I feel like I, I literally thought I looked like Ernie from Ernie and Bert, like literally. <laughs> but now I'm like going for like, that gloomy look.
2: So weird, too, because like mine grew in super thick and full and rich when it was like it was and it was almost reddish. It was like a reddish brown. Now it grows in five different colors. It's like gray, white, reddish brown, black. And from a distance, it looks all spotty and patchy. Like Like I just shouldn't even be growing anything. It's like
4: a junkyard at that point. It does. It really
2: Yeah, it looks like a fire took place a week ago on my face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's great it's to probably see you. hard
1: on the way to silver because you got that in between part like mike's talking about where it's just all like yep. but then if you if you're lucky enough to get there like my dad you know but well, man we got to tell people how we met because it's the craziest story i would um, shout out to andrew levine who was riding bikes with us. And I didn't know that he worked for WWE. And so when I got into it, they were like, you know, Andrew works for them. I was like, no, really? So I texted him. And then of course he put us front row, like floor one, row one, there's the K smack down in, in Miami. Well, well like, and can, I took, can, I,
4: can I rule this out? Cause there's like detail that you don't know.
1: But, oh, excellent. Please.
4: So, so first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Um, So, how did we meet? So, I mean, I knew of you. You know, I'm a a fan of the band. I mean, I've seen the Dead a few times in the '90s. Like, you know, all all things considered. But a friend of mine, Adam Lipowitz, who's a big fan, his uh, actual his uncle's Lauren Michaels from SNL. About uh, (laughs) about yeah, three months ago, three months prior to that December. So, like in October, sorry, November. He sends me a picture of you, your wife, and your son on Halloween. He's like, "Do you know this dude?" I'm like, How do oh, yeah. "I know him." He's like, "He's the basis, he's the basis in the dead." I'm like, "Oh my god, he's a fan! He's a wrestling guy." And again, like it's like that thing with Eric. Like either the the green light turns on or off. So if you like wrestling and I like <laughs> wrestling, I don't care if you're eight or eighty. We're best friends. Like that's
2: yeah, comedy too. Yeah. Yeah, it's
4: like a click. And, and I yeah. mean, side note, I once got a a parking a speeding ticket. And, uh, it was, it, it, and it was on my phone driving, which is like a huge fine in Canada. And the judge recognized me from my Iron Sheik movie <laughs> and dismissed my case and asked everyone to leave and tell me back to tell me true story that he wears wrestling underwear underneath his cloak sometimes. That's how much of a fan he is. Okay, so so it really does show if you are a wrestling fan, it, it, the barrier is like. I don't care if you're the king of the world or, yeah. or you're, you're a four-year-old, anyway, <laughs> j- just painting that picture. So I felt connected to that one picture that O'Teal, his wife, and his son had on Halloween. I- I, I Kavi, I, Kavi, was Bianca Belair. Okay, fine, so, 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 so <laughs> WWE's coming to Miami, I'm taking my family to Miami for a family vacation. And I actually ended up becoming friends with a guy who was working for FTX. FTX is the, the, the crypto company. And he ended up saying, I got you a box, I got you this, I got you that. And ironically, um, December 1, FTX, did you see that guy, Sam bankman Free? like the whole thing yeah. exploded. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to ask him for those tickets. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, bro, like I don't know. And I just felt like, let me work on this on my own.
2: So like, Sam, you get one phone call. He's like, I better call Paige <laughs> about the tickets. <laughs>
4: can you imagine a, a, like a billion dollar business imploding and then there's a guy being like you know those tickets You want for?
2: <laughs> hey, is it cool if i bring my friend
4: um so so long story short so i reached out to wwe and i said i needed some tickets for my family and my and my son's friends and blah 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 my brother okay this is where you don't know the story my brother doesn't have the tickets. i was given eight tickets from the wwe not knowing where i'm sitting i go gian just get your seats because I know when they give you tickets, they don't give you like anything special. They just give you like, like, you know, 15th row, middle, by the ramp, whatever. It's not like a big deal. It's like family and friends tickets. Didn't know where I was sitting. My brother buys cheap seats on StubHub, boom, gets in, we get in, and I get my seats at will call, and they're second row seats, second row seats, ringside. My brother's like, you piece of shit. Like, how dare you? You better hook me up. (laughs) Now, this is where the 40-year-old virgin fan thing kicks in. My brother sees me. He's up there, and he sees me walking to my seats. I'm not telling him that I'm sitting second row. My brother, my twin brother, is such a loser that he walked. He was in the building with tickets in the building, bought four ringside seats that were right in front of me just to fuck with me. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Like, you don't know a fan <laughs> or a person that would buy seats in a show while they're in the show? That's amazing. Okay. Just to mess with you.
2: I like your brother.
4: <laughs> but you but so, so anyway, so so I'm at He's the concession great. booth, and O'Teal, who I'm not clicking on, I'm not realizing yet, there's a guy wearing an iron sheet shirt, shirt wearing that shirt. You know, in, in a perfect world, you know, if I saw someone at a grocery store or, or, you know, at a mall, like, I would probably call it out. But the idea of it being more regular at a wrestling show, I, just, I didn't make it yeah. a thing. Sure. So I, I end up buttering my brother up, and we all, we all take turns between the second row and the first row going back and forth. And so when I'm sitting at the front, ah. I'm sitting in the front row, literally right in front of the seat that I had right behind me, there's me. There's my son's friend, who's like a 10-year-old kid, O'Teal's son, O'Teal's wife, and O'Teal. Like, literally, we're sitting beside each other, but like 17 minutes before I saw the guy, you're grabbing a popcorn or whatever, whatever it was. And so I just like scratched my head. I'm like, okay, is there irony there? Is there irony there? And then as I'm like staring, I think we looked at each other for a minute, but he didn't recognize who, he didn't know who I was. Um, I just, my, my brain just started squinting and it just started like working. Like, I was like, how how do I know that guy? Hmm. And then my brother's, my brother-in-law, my brother's brother-in-law was like, I think that's, that's Othiel. And I'm like, oh, oh, it is Othiel. So I look at him, I go. And
1: I saw your face when it first did that.
4: Yeah. And you're like, you did this. And again, I'm sure you don't get marked out in an environment like that. Right. So. I go, I look over and I'm like, "Are you O'Till?" I'm like, "Are you O'Till?" And he goes, "Like, yeah, like yeah, like was, the mob was gonna come." I'm like, "Just we're like at a Beatles concert. That's O'Till." And he, go, I go, my my heart jumped. I'm like, "Dude, I'm I'm the Iron Sheik. I'm the Iron Sheik." He's like, "What, what do you mean you're like?" I'm the guy who's with the Iron Sheik. I go, and anyways, it was a quick, magnetic, thunderous, electric like super (laughs) super bro moment yeah and we just started talking and jabbing hard like as if we've known each other for more than 14 seconds um and then killer cross who's a wrestler ended up texting me so i then bring Oteo with me and all these kids we go backstage to get some pictures and it was just like a full zap to the heart moment for real yeah, and I can say this and I don't want to sound like too mushy but like I've spoken OTL more than I've spoken to people in the past 20 years. Like since then. Like even like yeah. like I like I, we speak enough for me to be like like it's a comfortable conversation. It's not it, it, it's been it's been a very unique six months I can say.
2: That's
1: incredible. It was the quickest bromance. I've only had one quicker, and that was my best friend, Eddie Castillo. This was when I was 19, and we literally met, and then we just hung out every day from right after that. But it was so great, because see how I remember it is that I didn't have my action figure yet, but I had gotten my T-shirt, and I was so bummed that my action figure hadn't come out, so I was psyched to wear my chic T-shirt. And then when I first saw you, or you first saw me, that it was the T-shirt. I thought I remember you going the chic, yeah. and I was like, yeah. And then you had this T-shirt on; I had the other one on. I was like, ooh, I want that. I was rocking, and then the all Sheik. of a sudden, I, <laughs> was yeah, I you walking? were rocking this one, and I had the other one—that's the white one. It's a different one. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, all the kids—it was like as I remember were there like six kids or four kids. There was a lot of people yeah looking at me like you know how like meerkats or prairie dogs all look up when they see like a prey yeah that's after him and i was like uh oh they're all staring at me i was like jess uh what's going he's like are you a teal i was like yeah <laughs> Well, no. Like, so, sorry, let I'm me, the chic i was like what are the odds no let way me add,
4: let me add this moment so i <laughs> took a super dad moment where we we're at the hotel and my friend my son's friends and my friend's kids were all together and I'm like, all right, you're all coming with me. They're like, well, are there any other parents coming? And then I'm like, no, I got them. So I took six other kids with me solo. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't care. They're like, well, are you sure you need help? I'm like, I got this. I'm like, I am no problem. I got a, an Uber and bam and boom. But the crazy part is that the kid who was sitting beside me, his father is a humongous dead guy, like a humongous dead guy. Yeah. And so he, he heard of you, knew of you. And then his father when, when yeah. we sent the pictures, he goes, "Isn't it ironic that the greatest day of my life had to do with my son getting?" Nah.
3: <laughs>
4: it's like he never, like, he's never going to experience what his son did that he fell onto. So it was like a, it was, just, <laughs> it was just magical because again, kids now are rocking like it's almost like fashion code, wearing dead shit, right? Oh God, yeah. Like I, I see more like, than yeah, ever,
1: and that's what. Tri- Go ahead. You know what I'm saying that's what tripped me up because I was sitting there with Jess and I was like, the kids recognize me because, like, the kids were, they were like, you know, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? But it must have been that one kid that was just like, it was such a great moment. And I was just like, honey, uh, my wife, she believes in the magic at this point. Yeah. And I was like, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, what are the odds, man? Like, and what a great night of wrestling, too. Yeah, for Nigel sure. Nigel was so all oh, the pictures and video of Nigel. And how into it he was i was just like even my wife is not into it she was like that was special like watching them that was your first live wrestling event too right dude yeah well we had done a local one yeah but but that was your first like that
2: was like your first big thing that was my i mean smackdown Smackdown. oh he just got into it dude like we were talking about i told him about ddp uh, yoga uh, and he was like Who's DDP? And I'm like Diamond Dallas Page. I'm like he was a wrestler, and then O'Teal dove, literally tied weights to his ankles, and dove to the very bottom <laughs> of wrestling, and was like, just slowly made his way back up to the surface, and was like, dude, this shit's deep. Well, like well, this I, is some. Was, and it was like, I was so so happy to watch him. You 12 know year saying? old geek out because it's reminded me of how i was when I, I grew up with all this you know it, it, it you just know seems...
4: it sounds like it's like you know it's like someone's like i just spoke to a guy a couple days ago i'm like I'm, i want to look at a new show he's like well have you seen this i'm like yeah have you seen this yeah he's like you know and then they were talking I'm like oh they're like oh man did you see the latest episode of billions i'm like what's billions
1: yeah they're
4: like, oh my god
1: you haven't I'm seen a, billions i yeah. I'm
4: jealous that you have all this to catch up on and so like as a as a wrestling fan When you're, like, just learning in the learning tree, I think there's a comparable with music. It's like, I'm such a super fan that I know this guy in Germany or this guy in Brooklyn and this guy. Maybe for you, it's like, you know this coming up basis or this coming up person, and you know that his backstory and how he got there. Like, there's so much of that, especially also in comedy, Mike. Yeah, of course. Is the exact parallel to the indie wrestling to the big leagues conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you agree? Yes, hundred percent too. Well, and also, I it's cool for me to see Oteil experiencing all of this at the age that he's at, and at all the experience that he's had. Because I wonder, you know, I got to geek out like this with wrestling, with the Grateful Dead, with fish, with comedy. So many times I've been able to like, you know, belly flop into a subculture. You know. But Otiel has been the subculture that a lot of us has belly flopped into. Do you know what I mean? So like we're geeking out about the music. You haven't even really had a chance to like geek out hard about things. And watching him, it's like watching somebody hear their first fish tape back in high school or their first going to their first dead show. So it's fun to see him get like, look at the action figures I got. Look at the new T-shirts I got. It's like I'm talking to my buddies in high school again about like you know getting fish <laughs> tickets and stuff so it, it's very very exciting to see
4: but but let's let's talk about that for a second cuz like that let's just call it that sugary feeling that you get right hell yeah yep that, yeah. and again you are performing in front of 100 people or 80,000 or you know same with you mike like the sugar the dopamine the youthful um the fountain of youth that we drink yeah. being in entertainment and being able to to, to consider it work or consider it a job, but then also be able to like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, feel connected about it. I mean, you know, no offense to the chiropractor. Yeah. I'm not dissing him, but like, I yeah. don't think that guy, like when I drop my kids <laughs> off at school and I'm yeah. like my Jordans <laughs> and a pair of jeans and a hat, it's like, I'm not having this, like, have a good day, Billy. We'll see you later. It's like, it's a different mindset because of what we've been exposed to. That right here it's like a comic is friends with comics musician is friends with musicians wrestlers are friends with wrestlers yeah so but the parallels here they're all kind of like um <coughs> their own fandom and their own i don't know relationship with the, the love of
2: absolutely
1: yeah they're yeah. like cults you well, know and i actually heard uh, mick foley because I've always said, you know, they're like carnies and that's why I relate to them because I feel like musicians are like carnies. And I was watching a Mick Foley, I watch his podcast and he speaks Carney. and he spoke a little bit of it. And I was like, that's why I love this guy it's amazing. because I'm seeing the parallel, but he can go all the way back and make that connection. Like it's an unbroken line and I've learned so much history from Mick Foley too and and, um, he's been a lot of the source of me, like getting into new Japan wrestling and the, all the Japanese yeah, stuff. Just and the, just it's just pop. like a rabbit hole.
4: No, but, but what you, you said about, like, about the language, I I, I was watching a match uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I knew one of the guys knew no, it, it was like an international match. It was like two Americans and maybe like a Japanese guy, but like the fact that they're, they're dancing in the ring and know what to do and what to say um without even speaking the same language right it's almost like yes yes on a band and like when they're doing this you know what this means i remember i i was on tour with james brown when i was like 22 actually was working with his with a couple of the members of his band and i remember that when i was on the side (laughs) of the stage he would just do things that just were like you knew what they were but No. no one else could call it or see it right it's kind of like, it's kind of like that with wrestling, like hearing them speak in carny. It's like, it's like a rite of passage for you to understand what they're meaning, what they're saying. You said something yeah, before we, lesson.
2: you said something before we jumped on air here, page about, you know, whether you're eight or 80, I connect with you if you're a wrestling guy or if you're a collector or whatever. And it's so interesting that we're talking about this because it's like, Comedians always talk about the fact that if I travel to a city, I'm going to Wisconsin this weekend, I'm going to meet a comic that's opening for me for the first time, I'm going to have a connection with him immediately that that me and my oldest best friend that doesn't do stand-up will never have. Yeah. there's that thing where we have that immediate like you get it you understand the grind like you've committed you're addicted yeah. you've you've done, you got the dope in your veins and well, no, it's,
4: like, it's like you've turned like you know yeah. like in homeland when you're exactly park, like a vampire yeah, yeah. exactly it is, it is, uh, you know you've turned
2: yeah and it's so interesting because <laughs> like, it is that it, it's well, wild to have that connection with someone you've never met before
4: Oh, yeah, comedy, music, wrestling, and uh, about who they were, when you knew them, and who they are now energy. Like, yeah. I was with uh, my friend Tony Hinchcliffe on Friday. He did two nights in Toronto. He sold out 1,500 seats per uh, 6 o'clock and a 9 o'clock. But when I met him, I was it was 15 years ago, and he was working the door at the comedy store. Yeah, man. Yeah. I remember how I was with him then. I would bring the chic, and he was my first point of contact. And he was like, oh my God, it's the chic. And we were like clicking. And I didn't, I couldn't walk up to Paulie Shore or Jeff Ross the same way I I was also, you know, someone that was on the come up. And so when we share that, right? When you right. share the come up, right? Those are like battle wounds. You could say that about music, you can say that about wrestling, you can say that about comedy. But what's more unique is like when you hold on to the currency of a relationship, which I right. am I'm, I'm obsessed with. Like, I I say this to everyone, I meet you once, it's not worth a million dollars to never speak to you again. I value the human connection, right? You know, there are times where, like, oh, my God. Like, in 2002, I was booking wrestlers for $50 that are now worth 50 grand a night, right? So I remember how I treated them, and now who are they now, right? And both have scenarios where, like, I started out with Amy Schumer or O'Teal, you started out with this guy. Now, who are they? Well, what does that mean to your relationship with them as we both progress in life?
2: That's very true. It's extremely, it's, it's super interesting too to think about because it's like I've had, yeah, there's this, like, especially now I feel with the internet and social media and all that, like, there are meteoric rises. There are folks who deserve a meteoric rise, but maybe don't get it. And then there's the slow and steady wins the race kind of rise. And then there's, you know, all of it all at once. And when you have folks, when you have folks that you can look at and notice along the way, you know, Big Jay Okerson was like a mentor to me when I first started out. And he's, you know, on a always been on a steady, you know, rise and with his radio show and podcasts and live shows and all that. And it's just watching him in the way. You know like talking with him afterwards and like sharing you know stories of he would help me when i went through things where i was banging my head against the wall and he's like it's gonna pass like you're gonna be okay like i went through this and it's so nice to have that god it's so nice to have that you know we're gonna take a short break but we'll be right back with more comes the time stick around
4: But is there such thing as an overnight success? Like really, unless it's just in the fractional anomaly of numbers, right?
1: Yeah. Sometimes there is like, I, some people, like I've noticed, it's been a theme on our podcast recently because we've been having these people on that were so young when they when got really famous, like yeah. Derek Trucks. You know, I met him when he was 11 and he was playing like a 40-year-old. And, you know, I think he joined the Almond Brothers when he was 16, 15 or 16, something like that. And then Jerry yeah. Jemaat, you know, like all these people. But a lot of times what you see is people that make it real big. If they make it too quick, they don't really know the value of it. Like maybe they have a lot of talent, but it's, it's rare to see him last like a Stevie Wonder and a Michael Jackson that were literally kids.
2: Right, Like, I think I yeah. saw yesterday,
1: Stevie Wonder wrote My Sharia Moore when he was like nine or something insane. Jeez. Some some tune we all know he wrote as a kid.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah.
1: And to, but that long, you see him crash and burn early, you know. But sometimes it's just like these kids like Anakin Skywalker that have more midichlorians than others. But I'm glad I made it late because I'd have been dead if I had made it in my 20s. Amen like, to that. I would have too. And I'm still not so famous that I can't like go to the store. No,
4: the store. but your culture and what you're that's interesting because the Sheik, you know, when the Sheik passed away, he was 83 years old. Um, <clears throat> but he only started getting into shit when he was 40, 41, 42. Up until 40, yeah. 41, 42. He was an Olympic athlete. He was like biting tomatoes like 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 as if they were apples. Like he was doing 500 squats a day. He was his body was like that temple of temples. Yeah. Uh, while these other wrestlers from the time they were probably 18 19, 20, substance was just a part of their lifestyle. Yeah. So I'm grateful for the amount of time I, he got to be on the planet because everyone around him yes. sadly was exposed to all that all that you know, culture and and normalcy to them, and it uh, you know obviously you've seen it firsthand. Of comedy and and music it bites you hard, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, it's so interesting too because like you know that I'm thinking about that meteoric rise thing, you know, and I think meteoric rise is sometimes in the eyes of the beholder, you know, because like I would say right, would say like Billy Strings is having like a meteoric like a you know overnight, but, he's, yeah, but he's I wouldn't older, say he's an overnight so. sensation. See, like yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, people go, oh, I've never heard of you. Like, how long have you been doing this? And then you realize, oh, shit, the backstory is, like, way it's longer. Yeah, it <laughs> have been around a while. And there's a lot of, like, sto- you know, there's a lot of success and failure. That's the shit I love. Well, do you, you know, know that, what I mean? Do you, know, yeah.
4: do you know that meme of a guy leaning over with the girl at the ball game, and he's trying to explain to her about something? You ever see that meme? I don't there's, think so. There's a meme of a guy, like, looking at a girl who looks so disinterested. And then, like, the meme is, like, so, like, Hulk Hogan beat uh, the Iron Sheik in 84, and she's like, what the, f- what the fuck? <laughs> like, you can't do too many people about what you're talking about unless they're in the eco. And right. that, that's where, yeah. when I think about this this conversation, like, music, comedy, wrestling, like, we're all potentially savants in our conversations about it. But we're also <laughs> fans of the other pieces of the triangle.
1: <laughs> totally you know my my favorite is is um the overlap between grateful dead and and allman brothers too and professional wrestling because when i started doing my wrestling posts and i think the halloween havoc might have been my first one um i have to go back through my was. thread and look but when i started doing my professional wrestling posts man the deadheads are that they're like, what? No way. And the, and the ones that really are excited because I'm into the 80s wrestling, you know, they're like, oh, he's a he's an old head. Like, yeah, it's well, so funny, man. Well, this
4: is the whole thing about, like, cross-pollination with audiences right now. Like, um, a friend of mine is working with, do you know Jelly Roll? Do you know that guy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, my buddy, Roosevelt Who, Josh? Collier, that plays Steel, Sacred Steel, that plays oh. with Jelly Roll. So my friend Jared is working with Jelly Roll and and what he identified, we
4: were talking last week was like, you know, you've got this guy that there's, you know, you don't put a rapper in a rapper in a song today. You put a rapper in a country star because, you know, it's almost like putting like that, the red and blue liquids together to get the, we don't know what it is. Yeah. But like that scientific explosion and those data points allow for new people to become, you know, ancestrally connected
2: right yeah yep yep <laughs> it's very interesting i heard something We're, about how country and hip hop are very similar that like groups of people collaborate on each on songs you know what i mean like i didn't realize but like there's like seven or eight country singers that contribute to maybe one song or two songs
4: like they're writing- and a lot of- they're the right, they're sitting and writing on, on some of those lyrics.
2: Yeah. Or they're submitting pieces and things like that, you know, and it's all kind of collective for each other. That's a very unique. And so, and in hip hop, it's kind of similar as well. Like there are it, artists that just do their, you know, just them, they write their stuff, whatever. Yes. But there are, it's not uncommon that to have like collaborations like that, but which I think more, open up those two worlds in particular to jive, you know?
4: Is it more uncommon to be a sole writer on a, on a track? today uncommon i
1: think it's probably 50 50. insert you Um, know i mean i hear about
4: hip-hop tracks like like i have a friend that works with lady gaga and he like is one of 11 like he literally wrote like six lines of a 40 line song right when you look at the credits you know i don't know about you guys but like i like looking at imdbs credits and like movie credits um, music credits at the back of the CD. I love, and then I'll be like, like, there's a sound. There was like this, like Yacht Rocky sound of like, almost like, um, Ambrosia, Michael McDonald stuff. And I'm like, and like Prince. And I'm like, Oh my God, that guy was in everyone's ear.
2: Yeah. Like, Who is that
4: guy? Yeah. Where yeah. You, what's yeah. his influence? Where did he come from?
1: Yeah. I love that. But I find myself doing it more with stuff like wrestling, or UFOs than I do music. I mean, I've been playing music since I was five and my dad was very much a historian of it. So I I don't know. It's like, I, I, I do it more in other things <laughs> than music, but I definitely do it in music. It's like a history lesson. If, I, if I'm into Jocko, then I got to see who his heroes were. Then I got to see who their heroes were. And then you're back to the twenties relatively quickly you know
4: is it but is it like um you know the kid that worked at mcdonald's after he worked there he stopped eating mcdonald's is there like that type of mindset (laughs) like (laughs) no
1: i think there was more yeah i see what you mean or like for Mike, more of it is it hard
4: for mike to is it hard to make mike laugh right that i'll tell you the first moment in comedy that i was upset about something i didn't know was about to happen I did a gig with Bob Saget in Montreal. It was a corporate event. Oh, cool! Okay. And, and the guy that was with me was the former founder of um, Just for Laughs. Okay. And I we were talking, and they were talking about Don Rickles. And my heart—I was like so proud to be in this conversation. And I go, so like, what shows do you go to? What do you like? And I'm like I'm trying to like be like, you know, have you been to this? He's like, mm, I just don't. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's just not funny. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm like, I mean, what do you mean? He's like, he's like. I don't need to be at a show to know if someone's good or not. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I can tell by the beats and the rhythm of the laughs to know if someone's crushing or bombing, okay? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, we did a show in like the 90s with Joan Rivers. And I was in my office, didn't want to see the show. I was just working while I knew she was on stage in front of, in one of those theaters. And he said... um, I knew she was bombing about five to 10 minutes in because I didn't hear the beats.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Then I went down and I knew that it, she, it was frustrating and that she walked off at 43 minutes when she was supposed to do 60. And Mm. he said, when it's, when you get to that point, funny, isn't funny anymore. And I'm always, I'm now when I'm seeing comics, I'm like looking at them the same way. Maybe you're looking at a musician or the same way you're looking, so I'm. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I'm turning a little bit, and I, I, it makes me nervous that I can't appreciate just <clears throat> funny.
1: Well, I, I think it's this: you just have a, you like once you've had the really good stuff, <laughs> you know. Well, it's just more rare when the good stuff comes down the line, you know. Yeah,
2: and I'm sure O'Teal, you have like you had moments where you said you went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you were in tears, dude. you know. So. I have my I have my Earth, Wind, and Fires would stand up. That like when I got to go back to remember and like why I got into this in the first why I liked when the business yeah. just shits all over. Not not <sighs> even the bit you just have the notion that you're not you know you're stuck in the mud. Every now and then I got to go back and listen to like my old favorites and kind of just go like oh yeah all right that's right you know and. I mean, I see it. I'm around it nightly. I It does get to the point where it's just kind of noise, you know, like you can't sit and like have focus on everybody's jokes and everybody's. And also because yeah. I maybe selfishly don't want to become influenced by what someone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Well,
4: how easy is that? How easy? So is that? easy. Because I mean, have, I, is there like a tint of like you're taking my shit?
2: Well, so there's, you know, we all talk about parallel thought in comedy where it's like, you know, OK, yeah. if your dad was if your if your parents were divorced and my parents were divorced, you're going to do a joke about it because that's your life, you know, and I'm going to do a joke about it because that's my life. And that's parallel thought. We're not, you know, but if there's a joke where it's literally like kind of, you know, public domain, uh, I don't know, peeing in the tub kind of thing or whatever, you know, like ever it just turns into kind of like all right it's been done you know what i mean or whatever but i just feel like i don't want my cadence or my writing or my tags or anything to like be influenced by anyone because that's like just as i've gotten older in comedy i feel like i'm finally getting a grasp on what that even is you know what i mean
4: Do you feel like you have to ice like are you like earmuffs level
2: nah. I just don't pay attention. I tune it out. You know what I mean? Like I go watch the people I, I'm interested in. I mean, there are, I'm surrounded by phenomenally talented savants, like you mentioned, like all the time. And I watch them to purely enjoy them. But then if I feel myself kind of like, Oh, that's a great concept. I'm like, I got to walk away. Like, I don't want to, cause it'll get stuck on the inside of my brain and then I can't get it out. You know what I mean? So I like to just kind of, wow. I'm going to walk out of the room now and you know, but if a tell's on or if, you know, any of my favorites, like, I'm down there just giggling like a child.
4: Every time I see a tell, I'm like, did he say that before? Did he? Is that freestyle? He's. he's Because he can talk without thinking. And I can do the same. I can talk without thinking better than most people I know. Like, I, I have a skill because I've been on the mic and I host events and I can just be on my feet. And I'm very comfortable in that chaotic sense. But I'm always curious if he's rinse and repeating, which is okay because it's your bit and you got your shit. But when I see him like doing like the bumping mics or like when he's just coming in and popping in at a twelve o'clock where there's no one around, I think I've seen the most sharply witted sniper in the game.
2: He's a he's a shoot he's a comet. He's a he's a shooting star. He's different than everybody and every he's everyone's favorite. And, it, and it's well-deserved. And he's a, a, a very sweet, kind, giving person off stage, mm-hmm. And uh, everything he says on stage, like, I, I hang on every word still. And I've traveled with him and opened for him a million times. And, like, I've said it before a million times on this podcast, like, there's a handful of moments doing stand-up that I was present enough to enjoy the moment. And one of them was opening for him at the Wilbur in Boston and seeing him laughing on stage, like on side stage. And I'm like, this is it. It could all end now. Like that was the biggest thing for me. But yeah, he's, he's, he's literally like an alchemist. Like he just pulls shit out of nowhere. And it's like, what it's the fuck? Fu- like, like it's new shit. It's not- oh, he's yeah. No, he's, he's no, he's pure. He's yeah. He's grain alcohol. <laughs> he's just like, right. it's down to the, He's the so comfortable.
4: Form.
1: He's so comfortable on stage. And that's really why is. I think he can you improvise. That is, his,
4: that is the, the. I guess, is that the mileage? Like you know, He makes, he
2: makes yes, references. Experience. Yeah. He pulls references out from like today and he's way older than me. And he pulls references out of pop culture that I'm like, the fuck's he talking about? Like, he's like pulling out names of like, like mumble rappers and shit as like a ref for like a snap, quick throwaway thing. Yeah. yeah. That makes like one pocket of the room explode. And they're like, fuck, you know, you know what he's doing is it's like he's making he's forever really. fans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like one by one, yeah. he's making I forever that, fans. I you think, know what I mean? And he's I going know. like, I'm I'm relating to you. I'm relating to you. I'm really, but all in like this. Hey, it's brilliant.
4: I don't know. Well, he's just and absolutely it, and it's like brilliant. there's a thing about crowd work, which I don't necessarily say he's a direct crowd work, guy, but he uses the crowd, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and I always Oh, think yeah, especially bumping mics, too. Well, bumping mics is a crowd place. So I've so I, I seen Rickles a few times. I think I said this to a CEO once. Like, you know, it's easy. You can see a, you know, there's an Asian guy, there's a black guy, there's a white guy, there's a Jewish guy. Like, he could go bang, 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 bang. And, and I get after the third time, it's still funny. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like <laughs> it's it's a plant because it's very easy to just be racist. Yeah. No. Like, it's very easy to be like, oh, this guy, you yeah. know. Right you know where's your wife what are you feeding her like whatever like it's like <laughs> and so whatever he's saying and i'm realizing that but with a tell, it's the same thing but it's so much 100 times layer of more impressive because it's not the same thing every time
2: it's it's not and it's and it's like yeah. and he goes on it the most like uh difficult it almost like it's almost like he likes digging himself a hole to get out of sometimes like he'll go on at 2 a.m at the cellar everyone's hammered the nights you know they people have just seen a lineup of phenomenal comedy <laughs> and he's like all right like i got my work cut out for me you know and now <laughs> when he's like outside smoking a cigarette like you'd see like tyson in the tunnel getting ready to like you know and he just comes out and it's just like <laughs> slam 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 and he talks to the host and he talks to the staff and he like makes it all this thing of kind of like pay attention or you're going to get run over kind of, you know, and it's, but he does it in moments off stage too, that are kind of amazing. Like he was, Jay was telling me a story. tell was showing Jay his new car and it had a sunroof and tell goes, check it out. And he opens the sunroof and he goes, that's so Jesus can hear my rhymes. <laughs>
4: it's just such a fucking stupid <laughs> thing. But from tell it's like, just what a funny like he's dressed is dressed like he, a is he, is he is he thinking about anything when he's smoking that butt i don't think i got is everything is, enough i don't know is, God. is his hard drive empty and it wants to get full on stage <laughs> or is he already full of a hard drive that's unloading the data that's the question <laughs> when i'm nervous about doing a gig i've built this immunity and i don't know what you would tell like I don't think about it until I'm on the stage. Because if I was thinking about it until I was on the stage, I'd bite my fingers off and I'd cry myself to sleep, yeah. right? Yeah. So <laughs> I built this immunity. I might get tired all day and I'll just like bottle up my energy so that when I can go boom. But other That's than that, too. I can't think about it.
1: I think it's baked into the cake with what I do. Well, it,
4: well like how much of that with, with when you're performing is like, what unknowns
1: are you going into, or is it all laid out? It's all, like with with the music, it's all like, uh, because it's improvisational, you know, and everything I've done from, you know, the jazz tradition or the African music tradition or Colonel Bruce, Almond Brothers, Dead, it's all improvisational. So we know we're going and just shaking the dice and throwing them. You know so you get more comfortable with that and that's what i love about about yeah about comedy and wrestling because like you know when i watch the interviews with the wrestlers they're talking especially the older ones that are just calling it yeah they're all the modern matches i feel are more choreographed or planned out and some people did that in the old days but you know just like Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, you know, they're just calling it in there. And so you're fishing around to see what makes the crowd pop. And you know, you may have something planned or you think that's great, and it's like it pops, but not so much. And then something you just did on the fly just like made the crowd really pop. And mm-hmm. so then you could go, go there that way. Yeah. 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 And I've 100%. and that that hooked me so hard. I was like, dude, that's like improving on stage. Cause at some points for who knows why, it just all comes together and you feel it on stage and you feel it in the crowd and you just run with it, you know.
4: But like when you're doing like a China cat into a thing, into a thing, or when Mike's doing a, a joke about his parents that goes into a thing and then he comes back to the thing to bring you back that thing. It's kind of the same thing with like the wrestler who's like working the leg or the arm right <laughs> yes, totally yes. totally or or exactly
2: yeah. or you're and then and in the wrestling sense too it could be the guy that got hit by a chair from a manager that slid up and didn't see him coming right and now he's got to come back from behind and everyone's yeah. on his side because he got grifted by the uh, you know what i mean and that whole thing is like that happens quite a bit i feel like too with a heckler or with a uh, um, yeah. A tray of drinks spilling or a technical difficulty with in, my instruments on, you know, for band sakes and stuff. You know, there's a point where the audience starts to pull for you, you know, and I think that's yeah. a super important thing. And I, I the wonder psychology. What, exactly. And I'd like to ask you recovery. both. <laughs> I'd like to the ask recovery. you both something. Yeah. The recovery um rebecca trent this amazing woman she owned the creek she owns the creek in the cave which used to be in queens and now it's in austin i was having a conversation with her about comedy and i want to ask you both your thoughts about i think this translates to all art but the amount of years that you're doing it is kind of equivalent to your age of maturity so like one year in you're like a one-year-old Five years, and you're like a five-year-old. 20 years, and you're like a 20-year-old, you know? Like, if you think about that from – and I'd love to know your guys' perspective because it does kind of make sense to me because I, my terrible twos were like I was looking at everything everybody else had, and I was like, I want that. Like, I deserve – like, that's mine, you know? And then it's like you kind of look back on that, and you're like, "Eh." Yeah, you throw your tantrums, and you're trying so hard to impress the older kids and – then you get to your teenage years and you're sort of like, eh, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, you, it, things start to change
4: and you, you mature.
2: See you
4: see the difference of that that rookie that walked in trying to get, I say, get his shit in.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, where now it's like, music I appreciate is like silence. That too. I would love your guys to like, do you guys agree that that's the more artists I talk to? It's not just comedy. It's anything where you put your passion in. It could be designing websites. It could be making sculptures. It could be anything the more it could be management the more years you put in it's kind of like equivalent to your maturity and your age
1: it's just experience man 10,000 hours what do they say and uh, you know for sure yeah. well yeah 10,000 hours
4: you're an expert in anything i i made some quick notes about this that i first of all yeah like like how long does it take to be funny right that that first comic that was probably hanging out with his friends at after after the club or you know, in their friend's basement, puffing dudes, and it was always funny. Well, like that's a great way to become a comic, but what does that have to do with like the grind and the no- the minutes, the beats, the hardware,
1: the understanding, all of that? So, like, how do you deal with being uh, the loneliness on the road, the hotels? That you right. know, it's like, and even having we're not even talking about music. We're talking about how do you deal with your yeah. head. And the life on the road, but you don't have no way of knowing how that's going to be till you get out there.
4: I mean, again, music's a little bit different. You're playing three hours, two hours. Where like wrestlers and comics, they're doing ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Like, well, well, they're driving from Poughkeepsie to to Tennessee. Uh, they got to check into the hotel. They got to go for a workout. They got to eat their lunch. They got to go to the arena four hours early. They got to stretch. They got to get their cardio in. They got to go over the mat. Then they do ten minutes of a wrestling match, and then they gotta come, <laughs> and then they gotta go drive three hours, and then come down from that. Like so, like
2: come down from that. That's the best. That's it right there. That's the. That's where the drugs and
4: alcohol. That's everyone. That's, Dude, that. that's did- everyone. That's <laughs> everyone.
2: I just did a yeah. week of gigs in Atlantic City, and I'm on from nine to nine twenty. Like you could set your watch. Casinos don't fuck up because they need to turn the machines on when everyone's exiting and shit. You know, so nine to nine twenty. I, I left my hotel room just in time to be in the green room, like 20 to nine. So then I went on at nine and then I got off at nine twenty, and then I was back in my room at nine thirty. and it's just okay. like, that's it. I'm done. But I've been building up for hours and hours and hours to like that. And now I got to come down from that. And, and I'm just in my room. Like I should, I should take my pants off because I'm going to, you know, like back into my shorts and you know what I mean? It's just such a weird, yeah. It's, no one prepares you for that.
4: That's a, a Ill, weird you're right.
1: existence. It's Nobody prepares you existence, for it, man.
4: No, but 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 that's when I have a hard day, or a day that I'm thinking about for a year from now. That I'm like, oh, I got to be at this thing to do this thing for this thing. I've built another thing about the not thinking about it. I'm also saying to myself, this day will start and this day will end. Okay, and that, yeah. yeah.
2: Second and year, this, you. Yeah. Second year, you as a two year old would never know. This day will come and this that? day will end. You would have taken, you'd spend that whole year bugging. Bug yes, yes.
1: Because, oh, because the how
4: bad could it be? We've lived already 48,000 days of our lives, right? This is just a moment that is in one of those fractional, yeah. fractionals. Can I just bring up a point? Because you said something about the recovery. I just have an all timer that I just remembered. Really sad recovery. Uh, one of my friend's fathers passed away and we were at the funeral and the rabbi was doing the sermon and he was like, please everyone turn your phones off and respectfully. And, uh, and the guy was going in hard, like Jerry Maguire. We were all in tears. He was working the room and like, he, I mean, and again, rabbis and priests, you know, they also have this, yeah. this thing that we talk about. Cause I actually spoke to a bunch of rabbis who I've known over the years who always talk about how, cause they can cut promos, mm-hmm. right? These guys cut promos <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. These guys <laughs> yeah. Take monologues i'm like yo That's, that, Is
1: that script yeah.
4: <laughs> cut okay.
2: promos i love it
4: for real so he's this guy's hooking the room all of a sudden a fucking cell phone goes off okay mm-hmm. and it's ringing it's ringing and everyone's like looking at their phones we'll take everyone's the whole, 300 people everyone's vexed <laughs> all of a sudden the rabbi pull, looks, and it was his phone that was ringing, okay? <laughs> right? Oh! Like, okay, this is the guy who said, please make sure your phones are turned off. And it was his that had, like, nine, <laughs> nine rings, okay? Nine rings in a room. That's and, amazing. And, and and the point is that, you know, like I said, you, you drop the glass, or the, so, someone trips or whatever, or the heckler, the recovery did not exist. Like, everyone was like... You fucking lost me. <laughs> you lost everybody. Yeah, I'm oh, like, there is so no funny. recovery here. Uh, so, that's brilliant. So. <laughs> I had to see I just it. Hey
1: man, look, we've been on the we've been doing this an hour. We did talk about what I really wanted to talk about. What's the whole story of how you met the Iron Sheik. Yeah, yeah. Let's do, um tell people about because I know your dad and the Sheik knew each other right back in iran because i find this whole thing fascinating in america i remember jimmy carter presidency and since then iran you always thought it's not modern it's just terrorists and stuff so i was like wait a minute you were jewish in iran like that's a whole story in itself but people don't realize iran in the 70s was just very kind of like here in the 70s it was a beautiful place yeah. to live,
4: actually. It was like
1: people were like, let's yeah. go to Iran for vacation. Like, it's
4: like people were like, it's a beautiful yeah. place. It was, uh, it looked like
1: Mary Tyler Moore, which I'm dating myself, but yeah, but I get like it.
4: I get it. That with the scarf look, you and know, all, all
1: vibe. Yeah, you know, the 70s cosmopolitan,
4: yeah, you know. Like, so, but I, so, 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 yeah, so interesting enough. So, my mom and dad arranged marriage, by the way. Okay. Um, not knowing it. My mom and my dad. My dad was uh, one of eight children, and he was the oldest and w- grew up, and he's still alive, grew up in athletics. He didn't to school. He was boxing. He was playing table tennis. He grew up, it was like macho camacho, like loving just sports to the point where he was a horrible in school. But the high achieving athletes in Iran, the three sports were table tennis, professional sorry, four. Table tennis, professional uh, amateur wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, boxing, and soccer. Okay. So my dad was in a little bit of a world. We're at the place where they were all doing their thing. Andre Agassi's father was with them. Um there's a guy named There's a guy named Tahti, who is like basically the Michael Jordan uh of of all sports in Iran. Uh, The Iron Sheik. So my dad and the Sheik grew up best friends, 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old, always playing sports together. Um, And so when my dad moved to North America, um, he didn't know anyone. But the only person he knew happened to be the most hated man on television. Okay, His only friend is a guy who's now (laughs) famous on television who is despising the Iranian flag and and Americans and is like a known as a terrorist. Um, And my dad has a whole (laughs) world of stories because when he moved here, he he was like in the seventies, Iranians in America, like they were, they were like exotic, like, like, like now you can see guys that look, you know, cultured, but back then. So he actually moved first to San Francisco, believe it or not. My dad was friends with guys where he hung out with um, Wilt Chamberlain, literally. He's got a picture with Sinatra wow. where they're partying together, my father. Um, but he was almost doing it in this like in this, like, Borat sense. Like Forrest Gumpy, like yeah. not knowing. It's <laughs> not <Scott laughs> even appreciating it. Um, I have a story that I'll say, I'm, I'm say it for time. I had to do with Jackie Mason, but like he was out in this world by himself. Oh, I love Jackie Mason. Iranian, not knowing anything. And so they were in touch a couple of times and then they and then they just, that was it. Like they were both married. They're both figuring out their lives and this and that. And then all of a sudden when we were three years old, four years old, and our, our babysitter put us in front of the TV while she was like folding laundry and like doing things, we were just, my brother and I would be like glued to the TV, watching the thriller video or watching, you know, Smurfs or whatever wrestling would come on and there's a man speaking on television in Farsi screaming at at TV. And and all I remember was my mom was cooking in the kitchen. And I remember her drop the pot. I heard like a, a crash. And then she runs in screaming like, what is this? Who is this? And then she looks and she's like, that's your dad's friend. That's your dad's best friend. And we're like four years old. Like, what the hell do I know? I know nothing about, I can't even read. <laughs> look back and realize what they were even talking about. My dad comes home, my mom tells my dad, my dad calls the Sheik that night. I think he must have left them a message or something. They spoke a couple of days later. And back then. so like, common like they do at Madison Square Garden once a month or once every two weeks. This was not like the one year now like it's a wider route. Right? Can, am I am I good here? Yeah. Am I good? yeah. So, you got- so it's, it's a wider. It's a it's a wider route. So within a month or so the wrestling was coming to Toronto and my mom, my dad invites the chic and we pick him up from the airport. Imagine you're, you're five, four years old. You're picking up a guy that you just saw on television up at the airport. Yeah. Like you're like, like, and he's like a superhero, right? Like this is now becoming bigger than
1: life. (laughs) Right.
4: And my mom spent the week cooking. She, my mom is an ins- if you're ever in Toronto, my mom is an insane Iranian Persian cook. Rice and the kebabs, oh. like, no, like, oh. nasty food coma, food coma level, okay? Got to go. Got to yeah, come yeah. do that. She <laughs> murders. she crushes. And so, and we weren't like, we were like these Iranian kids. Like, we were, like, not cool. Like, my mom literally would make us lunch, where literally the whole hallway of our cl- school would smell of like raccoon or whatever she was
2: <laughs> Raccoon.
4: <laughs> okay. they are like the other kids. We were the other kids had like fruit roll-ups and like Twinkies, and we're like, please, mom. She's like, no, you're gonna have prunes for dessert. Okay. Hilarious. Okay, like I'm not joking when I say this. Like there were times where like she made like an egg sandwich that had grape juice spilled all over it. I swear to God, it was a stink bomb. And it was like embarrassing for us to be <laughs> running when we were younger, people calling us terrorists, people making fun of us. And we were like, oh, these, yeah, our parents had lots of money in Iran. They moved here and lost everything. So we were like these $7 shoe Velcro shoe kids um, yeah. surrounded by others that had shit. And so yeah. the fruit roll up was like massive to me, like a freshly squeezed orange juice, I still consider a luxury in my life, right? When I could order one at a, at a restaurant. So, yeah. so all of a sudden, my mom would invite all of these people, her friends, these the people on our street, come over for a dinner. And Nikolai Volkoff and fucking the Iron Sheik would come <laughs> to our house.
1: Nikolai. Okay? <laughs> so like, out. Who needs word, acid? <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That like what's normal to me, remember we talked about this? What, what's normal to you is right. mind-blowing to me. What's normal to me is mind so sitting on their lap, oh, like all of it. And so, and I don't know, I could probably name you set 15 times that this was happening. And every time it was like a different wrestler would pick him up, Jim the Anvil Nighthawk, or Don the Rock Morocco, or and we would walk into oh. the building. Now the Sheik didn't know backstage versus friends. We there were times where we would literally park the car in the lot where all the fans were, and he we'd walk in where the tickets <laughs> they were being ripped in. He didn't know. And I'm six years old, and people are fucking cursing us. Okay. <laughs> <You are laughs> thrilled, dude. And I'll never forget the I said this at the funeral. I'm like, he said to me, Don't, don't worry, I'll protect you. And I remember him grabbing my hand tight Aww. and said. And I um, felt I felt great. But then there were times where he brought me backstage and like King Kong Bundy would be like, get out of my way. And like we would fucking this is real, right? This is like Macho Man and like sitting on Hogan's lap and Andre and hugging him. And and there was a show and I was trying to find <laughs> out. I, went a fucking, I went into a fucking rabbit hole. I, I I'm actually so upset because I'm gonna sound like a liar when I say this. We were at a show at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was a show where the junkyard dog introduced for the first time ever the honky tonk man. Oh, wow. As a, as a wow. good guy. And he said, All the kids come into the ring. And I rode on junkyard dog's back. I'll never forget he was fucking drenched <laughs> with, so, with sweat. And like, that was like <laughs> the shit that I would be doing. And like, Such a... <laughs> I mean, I mean, so, so, so what ha- happened was, I used to be obsessed with the autographs. I'd be like, we'd have like this diary book where we got like Gorilla Monsoon and Tito Santana and this guy and that guy. And I would come back to school, grade one, grade two, grade three. I'd be like, yeah, we're friends with those wrestlers. They came over last night. They're like, fuck, are you liar? (laughs) Like, you're no. What are you even talking about? Yeah, with the stinky sandwiches.
2: (laughs) Yeah, old seven dollar Velcro feet.
4: Like they would tie you to a tree and call you a terrorist. Like it was like, oh my god. For real. We were like, these <laughs> <God And> the, <laughs> but the do, but, but, on, but the dopamine <sighs> was zapped, right? You had that moment. The I was sugar. To, yeah. Yeah. That zap. Yeah. We're like the electricity at five years old, six years old. So I started taking pictures to prove my stories and I've always been a big picture guy yeah. as much as the autograph was important and it felt like it had a more value than that i was like i need to like i have too many scenarios where like i'm behind the curtain just like you guys probably do as well in which they probably sound like lies if you spoke to the chiropractor about it i don't mean to diss the chiropractor if anyone's watching we love chiropractors um It's two digs on the <laughs> chiropractor page. you now. really taking shots at him. More <laughs> uh, like you know, it's like what he sees, what we're exposed <laughs> to.
2: Someone what, has a good back out of the three of us, O'Teal, huh? <laughs> uh,
4: what we're exposed to. So, so the sheik would come. We would be fucking cool. I would bring pictures to school. We'd bring the doll. I did my grade three speech. My grade. I was dressed up like them for Halloween. Like all of it all of oh, it we were fucking wrestling we need pics like, of
1: that you as yeah. the sheik.
4: oh halloween I gotta, I gotta find it but so but then all of a sudden and i think it was 1988 or 89 he got busted for marijuana, and i'm like not knowing what that was yeah and cocaine yeah with hacksaw jim duggan who was the good guy and he with was hacksaw the back- they were in the car together
1: okay <laughs> they weren't supposed to be riding together although maybe by that time it might have been cool no dude Uh, it was like it
4: was the extra no for sure for sure sure. but still like the 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 curtain was fully ripped off and it's funny because the yeah i i have about three or four of those scenarios and that was one of the main ones like he won the title all those things but this one really was the seed of seeds to change the future of the business about the real versus the fake and the embracing yeah, of the, the storyline culture. Again, it was only seven, eight years, nine years later, um, that the attitude era came where it was like fully blown out. But anyway, this was the place. So so when he got when he got um fired, my like and again, my mom is a purist, like a the most pure human being. She's like, he's. we're never seeing him again. He's the worst person in the world. He did marijuana? Oh, no. no. Like, my mom is, like, intense. Oh. So that was, like, 11, 12, oh, cool. 13. But, but by 14, 15, like, wrestling was, like, doink the clown. And, like, it wasn't like. We were that's when I about stopped. But yeah, we were thinking about other things. And when you think about that, when, we, when you stop. A lot of people did. The ratings yeah. went down. The, the audiences were shrunk. Yeah, there was a time. If you look back yeah. in the history of wrestling, '95, I was 13, 14. Uh, they could have gone out of business. They were doing like high school gyms for a, yeah. a, a minute. Like, yeah.
0: literally.
4: um. Yeah. Anyways, at that time, we were very we were struggling. Our parents got evicted from their house. We moved into an apartment. My brother and I were like troublemakers. We were like just just we had no choice but to like survive and hustle. And we actually started throwing um, parties. This is where the, the kind of the the the, the inkling to our, um, and the seed to our business was we started throwing parties. Um, and they were always, we called it Suck It Productions. And at the bottom, it said, no extra. <laughs> okay. Love it. Love we could it. We use this wrestling stuff and we put on flyers and we'd be like, it was like, we wrestling was coming back. <laughs> we're at a bus stop. We're at a bus stop, not far from our house. And there's a poster flyer on the in the in the bus uh, shelter, it said the Iron Sheik versus Abdullah the Butcher in a place that was 23 minutes away from us. We're like, Mm. like, why is this not in the sky What do you mean it's in this place, not knowing that there was a world that we were not exposed to because all we knew was what was on television, right? So yeah. we were like, I like we're like, do you think he'll remember me? Like that was like, like that was the thing. Like imagine when you're sixteen, 17, and you don't see someone for yeah. five years. Like, if I don't speak to you both for five years, we'll remember this conversation, right? Yes. Like five years when you're 12 to 16, 17, like that's like <laughs> he remembers us.
1: We go to this place. You look totally different.
4: Well, but still, like of course he my dad's best friend. Like, what am I thinking? Right. Yeah. Of course he's us But yeah. when I was in it, I was petrified. We go to the show, and there's 110 people in this room for the Sheik and Abdul the Butcher. You couldn't – it was in a bar in Scarborough, Ontario. You couldn't even go on the top rope because your head would hit the ceiling. It was like the second rope was, like, high enough. That's how low and dingy and, you know, buy one pound of wings, get one free, $10. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that. And my brother and I are like, how is there not 60,000 people here right now? We're like, how does this – how is this possible wow. that this is actually and we were fascinated by it to the point where and I'll tell you about the chic part at the end, but we were like, who's that wrestler? This person, what's this thing? Where is this? Per- where did that ring come from? So we what we go over to the curtain and we're like, we'd like to see the chic for a minute. we were his family. And he sees us and he starts fucking bawling. Like he's like hug and kiss wow. and like like. Way more, and I'm I'm sure you might see this, both of you might. It was way more as the performer embracing us than we were fanning out. And I'm yeah. sure, like as talent, sometimes like you're looking for a real connection sometimes, than versus like liking yeah. me for what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. Liking yeah. me because yeah. I'm that talent, liking me because I'm a gig guy, liking me because I am funny. No, this was like it, it superseded that feeling, right? Yeah. It like, yeah. It's just a, back to where we were when we were what we were right 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 and so exchange get it but while we were at the show watching these things and we were throwing parties at the time getting three four five six hundred people coming to these parties that my brother and I were, were working at that promoting and we were for 16 years old like we were making money that saved our parents our, our whole thing like we threw a party that we made like seven thousand dollars in one night like it was like holy yeah. shit and yeah so we're like how is it possible there's only 110 people here to see the sheik and abdul the butcher wrestle when we get like 600 people watching us right like we're like yeah. i bet you we can get people coming to watch me versus you wrestle i tell this to my brother so we ask the lady with the ring we ask this guy we just we end up getting all these pieces together and we wanted to put on our own wrestling show. So we we spoke to this lady, Elma and Mac. They were like these wrestling carnies that owned the ring. And we spoke to this wrestler and the referee, and we just quickly tried to figure it out. And we said, let's fucking put on a show where me and my brother wrestle at a community center, and we'll see what happens. That was, uh, so. so this show was in, so about four months later, The WWE was in Hamilton, Ontario for a show, for a pay-per-view, okay? And now wrestling's fucking hot. Like, Austin, Taker, Bret Hart, Mike. It's like Rock, NWO. Like, it's popping. So, we're like, it's cool now to talk about wrestling. And we fucking, we go to the show. It's sold out. And I've got 50 of these stories, but this is the one we sneak into the show we don't have tickets we couldn't afford tickets like we like just we just drove there and we found a way to and i've had i've snuck into more shows than anyone you know like i've once used to know how to get into the skydome so i would get people to come we would sell peanuts outside of the skydome to go to like the and then i'd bring elton john billy joel plant page aerosmith i'd bring parents with me i would charge people to get them into the building okay (laughs) We see these two kids that recognize us from bar mitzvahs and being bar mitzvah DJs. And they're like, Oh my God, you're the Megan boys. We're like, yeah. They're like the mother's like, I, I can't go into the show. Can I just give them to you and you can babysit them while we're in the show and I'll pay you. So we don't even have tickets and we end up sneaking these kids in. Okay, <laughs>
1: okay?
4: We're now, we're now standing, sitting at the top of a ramp, watching it because we don't know where to sit. And this has happened twice before. And I'll show you pictures to prove it. But this one was the first time this ever happened. Security dark goes, you, come with me. We're like, we're going to jail. We're fucked. And the guy goes, you see that match? After this match, we may need you guys. We're like, what do you mean? They're like, we need people to sit in those few, first few rows because the receipts are going to be empty. ringside." Ringside. Sweet. No, no, we just snuck in. I have a uh, sorry. I have a I have a story that's fifty thousand times bigger than this. That's basically parallel. To we <laughs> ended up, end up talking to this guy. His name was Matt Miller. Matt Miller was the former head of security for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the nineties. He moved to WWE and, and Turing. We started talking Iron Sheik, this, this, that, and he was like fascinated that we were like connected. I'm like, we really want to put on a show. Uh, but like you know, all these guys like King Kong Bundy and and Kamala and blah blah blah. So like, well, well, why would you use those guys? Oh, so sorry, sorry. We're standing at the top of the ramp. and He goes, "I'll do this for you guys. If you guys do this for me, I'll get you guys a couple of autographs after the show." Is what he says to me. Okay, and we'll maybe meet some of the wrestlers. This was the trade off to sit front row and be a seat filler was autographs and pictures. Okay, think about how fucked up that is. Okay. So we end up not sitting front row, but we end up spending the whole night sitting at the top of the ramp of, of the of the the aisle with the guy and learning tree it, asking him questions and this and that. And he goes, he goes, Well, why would you ever want those old guys when you can get the new guys? We're like, what do you mean you can get the new guys? He's like, well, you know, you on the right time and the right day, you know, there's guys that we can probably get you like like those guys that are in the ring right now, who's the Christian and Edge were part of the group. And I'm like, what, you t- what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, you know, you're doing something nice for me, and maybe I can set you guys up. That night, we at the end, the, the last match was Undertaker, Kane, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. He takes us backstage. Okay. I've got pictures to of- put first in. In which I don't know if you've been to a wrestling backstage area, but. All the boys were watching the match on a monitor, right? I don't know if, if you've ever been in an environment like that, where all, all the talents watching what's happening on in the ring. But and it's every wrestler. It's Jeff Jarrett. It's The Rock. It's Mick Full. It's every wrestler of that. Look at the No Way Out roster. That's what it was called. It's every wrestler there. Like, imagine you're seventeen. Like this is this is acid. Okay, that's yeah, this is a yeah yeah here's where I'm still, part of me is like, is it real? Is it fake? What is it? Do they like each other? Do they hate each other? Like, you still don't know. Right. Like, it was still a don't know moment. And it's mind-boggling. So, the end of the match was they Taker and Kane were both beating the shit out of Austin. And they both, like, kind of laid on each other. And they both pinned Austin at the same time. So, we didn't know who the winner was. And Vince McMahon was at the curtain, gets into the in, in, down the ramp and takes the belt and walks back towards the curtain. And we're watching this on the monitor, okay? I didn't see Vince at the curtain because the curtain wasn't where we were. But then I realized the curtain was just right here. And Vince gets in, so now the curtain opens, I see where the curtain is, Vince gets into the limousine and now the ramp, which is 10 feet away from us, opens and Vince drives away while these guys are chasing the car and we're all watching it in real life and on television at the same time like fucking head explosion. Okay. Wow. And then all of a sudden they're like, he drives off and we're off the air cut. They start hugging, he pulls out Vince like, and that's how you do it, boys. And this and this and that. And I'm like, whoa. The guy we end up befriending the guy. And we ended up getting us our first indie show where we had Edge and Test. Okay, wow. Yes. So we had, so they we we paid them fifteen hundred Canadian dollars each to book them, and we went through the WWE's American Jim Cornette was actually the one who ended up helping us. He was the head of talent at the time, and I was again. I was a fanboy for that. I was a fanboy for every every conversation. A fanboy. So. <laughs> So King Page versus Giant and Edge versus Test. We send, we sneak into the show, okay? We don't have tickets. And we also snuck in 20,000 flyers, okay? Papered flyers oh in which we would go from the, the, the 500 level all the way to the floor. We would say, here's a hundred flyers. I'm like, take one and pass it on. And we would do it all around the building. We papered the shit out of this building, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the tickets went on sale the next day on Ticketmaster. And again, total rookie mistake. We're doing Ticketmaster. Uh, and the night of the show is another thing. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Ticketmaster, the next day, tickets go on sale. We sold like 70 tickets. And then it they took it off because someone at WWF said, this show is not happening. This is not a legal show. This is false advertisement. The president of WWF oh, yeah. Canada, Carl DeMarco, we went over the ca- Canada's head. And spoke, to, that's where the disconnect was. And so we ended up getting in a huge pile of shit with WWF Canada because we had this arrangement with them. Anyhow, so in our in our Megan Boy traditional way, we were starting to figure out how to promote the show, where we would start going to other schools and we'd start driving around neighborhoods where there were kids. And so we're like, oh, look, these kids are playing hockey on, the, on their driveway. So I would walk up and start yeah. talking to these kids. I'm like, do you guys like wrestling? Do you like this? Do you like that? And then my brother, who was with me, drives and tries to run me over, gets out of the car, and we start fighting each other. And like, literally, these parents were like, <laughs> these parents were like, ready to call the police. And then as soon as they were done, we started giving out these flyers, come to our show, April 30th. Da, 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 da. We did that for like three months and at the time. You know, an average indie show was around two to three hundred people. The one with the sheet was one hundred and twenty people. We 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 went our friend of mine Ofer, who has had a very successful lawn mowing business fronted us. The money to put on the show is about a fifteen thousand dollar overhead. We getting like certain uh, uh, lights. We got like the crazy laser show and instead of having like regular barricades, we got these steel metal barricades instead of security guards. We hired police officers at like ninety bucks an hour, not knowing anything. Anyways, the night of the show, the night of the show, where they were expecting two, three hundred people, we had about fourteen hundred people come to this wrestling show. Okay. My brother and I literally were the second main event. It was we had like seven matches. Edge and Test was the main event, but everyone came for us. Okay. And my mom still <laughs> thought it was real when we were fighting each other that during the match, she tried getting into the ring to stop us from fighting. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yes. And the security guard, the police officers thought it was part of the show. Okay, so they didn't stop her. <laughs> no, she's like, please, please stop. And I have, I have, I have, we actually reenacted this like five years ago at a show that we did with my mom part of the show. And, so, and she's in on it this time <laughs> yes she so, so she so the whole thing so. was like you talk about like electric we were losing like five thousand dollars on this show and everyone's oh. miserable everyone's crying literally the oh. guy who lent us the money was crying and so was the guy who lost two thousand dollars on the food because we just didn't know what we were doing my brother yeah. and I were my brother and I were also crying. This was in the post-huddle conversation. We <laughs> were bawling, but we were bawling of happiness. It was like this is the greatest <laughs> night of my life. We Happy pulled it off. off. We pulled off this fucking thing. So then we do another show. So we lost 5000 the first show. Then the next show, we lost $3,000. Then we do another show. We lost $1,000. And then by that yeah. time I'm, I'm in college and I became friends with the guys from the student council and they're like, yeah, you do all those wrestling shows. We should do one at the school. I'm like, okay, well, where should we do it? They're like, we'll do it in the pub. I'm like, well, how many people does the pub fit? They're like, I don't know, two, 300. I'm like, well, how much are we going to charge tickets? They're like, I don't know, like three bucks, five bucks. I'm like, but the shows are going to cost you $10,000. Like, we don't care. I'm like, well, $3 times 300 people, that's $900. So what I found out was that, an- university average your tuition is $2,000 a year well 40 of those dollars times 80,000 people goes towards student activity okay does that make sense yep so they put on these shows where it didn't matter if someone came or not they had to yeah. deploy the dollars so then we introduce our he introduced me to the guy who ran all the Canadian college and universities in Canada an organization uh, yeah. and we brought uh jim the anvil nightheart and king Kong bunny to a trade show and we sold 40 wrestling shows at 20 at 19 years old across canada for real dollars and that's where we learn we learn yeah and since that show till now we've never lost money on on a show again we only do produced sold shows no i'm not yeah. worrying if one person comes or a thousand
1: and that's exactly like the music business because you know uh so many of these music promoters they started out booking bands in college or the almond brothers manage manager he said i brought the almond brothers to american university when i was in college for peanuts (laughs) it's like it didn't even cost a lot great great bands like we'd just be like oh my god are you serious but that's how they started getting there well you gotta start learn. somewhere right
4: like and now now yeah. you, you know you're you're not worrying if a million people come to a show you got a guarantee i'm assuming that's how it works but like, yes i do yeah for sure so so that's where i think people don't want to be in the maybe business right when you're a comic when you're a yeah. musician, or you're in wrestling like you're working the maybe until you're working the no it's a it's 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 it's, it's a guarantee
1: yeah, right. And Edge is, you know, for people that don't know right now, is wrestling, is, is WWE superstar right now, and his wife Beth Phoenix, she's yeah. back. Glamazon. So but it's it's crazy to think about like where they started. how. Yeah, it's, it's there's so
4: so. There's like about a hundred wrestlers that I've worked with that were fifty dollars or hundred dollar guys, which was generous, by the way. Um, to them at the time because they would work for free and work that are now you know on any any of the rosters. Yeah, and so that's where the journey of a, of a wrestler, who they were then, who they are now is. I'm I'm a huge uh, currency uh, currency guy. I found this as I was cleaning up actually. This was actually very cool. This is a uh, National Wrestling Alliance uh, membership roster. I found it was actually where it has every Promoters' phone number, address, booking. Whoa, yeah,
1: whoa! Like
4: here's my look. Vince McMahon it says Capital Wrestling. Where does it say Capital? Vince <laughs> <Wrestling. It's laughs> McMahon. It says a phone number. It's like this is a pamphlet. Like I'm a huge collector. Now you
1: know, uh, you know Billy Corgan. Yeah, he of course. bought NWA, and they just uh, did huh. a thing here in Boca because we have like a. a wrestling it's called BRCW Boca Raton Championship yeah, Wrestling yeah. so they work with all them? my local stuff and they just did a show no. with uh with NWA and I went to it uh with my friend Megan it was really great man yeah that's so cool to see that there's so many man i got to come to your house cuz i i want to look through all that stuff we could have like that's a garage sale so- we will be like
4: uh like i oh, will do like a
1: like a whatnot, like,
4: all right, today uh, I've got this. I'm like, let's talk about <laughs> the backstory of that. Like, it's interesting as I'm hearing us, because I I was actually going to bring up a point to you and with Mike about the fandom part about this. Like, are you yeah. aware of the things in your ecosystem that maybe a fan would be like, holy shit. And you're like, Oh, it's no big deal to me. Like I, I wrote the word U S yeah. even though I don't think that's the song. Like, you know how like a fan would be like oh the second set of that show this is the first time they did this thing that was so important to that thing or like if you're on star trek you know episode 16 of season eight was when this girl told spock something and it was like we're like do you think spock remembered that or it was just like it was just another day like i remember speaking to, like when i was a super like green fan even though i was in the business like I'd say to a wrestler, like, you remember that night on uh, Monday Night Raw when you, um, you, uh, you beat that guy, small, like, I don't remember fucking yesterday, like, have that, like, all about the stuff that you do, like, where, like, you were at this show that was so historic, but you didn't even realize it, because it was just
1: another gig to you? Totally, it's like the, the Chris Farley, when you, somebody yes. Chris Farley's you. It's like, man, remember when you did the, I was like, man, that was gig number 9,045. But there's some cats, like, it blows my mind, especially with the guys that I work with. Like, it could be the guys or Almond Brothers guys. That, you know, the like the amount of drugs that was being done. And like, Greg Allman would like, remember, like, details, except for Watkins Glen. They were like... <laughs> nobody remembers that no one well that's the thing i hear people all the time They're like too I, much drugs.
4: I was in uh i was in poughkeepsie that night when that was the night that this happened it's like do you really remember <laughs> that, or are you just saying that
1: right but like again again you know this is the part where you like get a little jaded when it's your uh um, you're talking about you do you. it for a career yeah me but i've and when I went to that Earth, Wind & Fire concert, because I had never seen Earth, Wind & Fire when I was little. Was that my Lionel? first time seeing With, with Lionel? Uh, Not with Lionel? Was with oh, it was with Santana. Oh, I that nice. I, I love that. Loved that. that I was in the
4: Toronto one, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I went and, you know, Verdine White is one of my very first, it's like Bootsy, Verdeen, yeah. uh, you know, like he's, he's so number cool. one and two. That guy's like, he's so cool. It's, still crushing it in his 70s jumping all around you know but here i finally got to see them at 58 or 57 however i was and it's amazing just all the songs from my childhood i was just in tears the whole time and so when i left there i was like this is how people feel when you play O'Teal. teal you got to remember to look at it from their side and not be so jaded you know it's just night number 29 and now it, it really helped me go into that concert to just bring it all back for that reset sometimes like it's like that validation yeah. for the
4: uh you know reminder of it's someone else's yeah. super bowl night not
1: yours you're just playing in it or whatever you know and people write me things like on they'll dm me on instagram it's something that really heavy happened that i didn't know about And it connected or maybe there was a synchronicity with the moment that i was a part of it and i was like see aren't you glad you were just giving it your all then because that was something so meaningful to them that you couldn't and it's like that's why i really appreciate about wrestlers i feel like because they take so many bumps for it and so much go through so much physical pain to entertain people that they're less jaded And I appreciate that because when I was with Nigel and Kavi at SmackDown and uh, Liv Morgan put Shayna Baszler through a table, that was the first for me, Kavi, and Nigel to see a live table shot. Right. And when Ricochet was doing all this crazy cool stuff, my son was losing his mind. He was like, dude, Ricochet. It was like Ricochet was a real-life superhero. Yeah. You know? And I just thought, this is – the best, man. I I, I just appreciate well, the fair dust of it. It's so you it's know. so
4: nice that you can buy in, right? You can
1: buy into yeah. that,
4: feel, that feeling you're talking Absolutely,
1: about. Absolutely, man. I think it took my kids for me to look at wrestling through the eyes of a child, and the the comedic aspect of it. You know, like Sami Zayn always trying to crack people up and make them break character. You know. So it was like it's. I love it. Synergies. But uh, I, I, this is
4: there's, 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 as I'm hearing what Mike is talking about. Like there is not an equal. This is like talking about comedy, talking about wrestling, talking about music. Like those are like try. That's the, that's the triangle. That that that's the equal. Yeah. I have my heart pounds for all those three things. <laughs> me
1: too. Me too. Oh man, thank you so much for coming on. I just this is great. I've had such a great time there's and, uh, like stories dude there's
4: like story we got to kind of freaking go pound for pound
1: on some shit. i don't even know oh absolutely i want to try to have you back when i know stuff is coming up like wrestlemania 40 in philly which i'm gonna be at so yeah. we'll do a little lead up to that and maybe make it coincide whatever whatever <laughs> however whenever whatever is, is
4: what i would say <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm grateful well, bless for, uh, to you, and thank I'm you gr- for uh hooking us up with the Pantheon guys because we wouldn't even be on Pantheon if it wasn't for you. So thank you for that too. (laughs) Those guys are great guys. You're, you're a beautiful human.
4: I'm grateful for our friendship and just thank you for letting me just vent here. Like we're just letting it out.
1: (laughs) We're just going, man. All right, Bubba, you have a good one today. Love you much. Love you too. Love you too. For sure.
0: Pantheon Media presents Comes a Time featuring Mike Fenoya and O'Teal Burbridge. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Produced and edited by Eric Limarenko and Stu Silverman. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Comes a Time with Mike Fenoya and O'Teal Burbridge. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're jonesing for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comesatimepod. And get on the bus. If you could do it, if you could go back in life, there was a
3: way to change. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football